Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you until noon. We have a guest at 1130, but this segment open and Brenda, I thought we would take calls, but also maybe preview what we could be looking for this week in the world of politics, starting with... The Democratic National Convention starts tomorrow virtually um, on many networks. It'll still have that kind of feel, just not the goofy hats and outfits in the uh, in the arena. Yeah, that was part of the fun for me, uh, Joe. I always enjoyed watching and seeing what people were doing and how crazy it was and seeing all the network correspondents walking around with their headsets on looking like Martians. Um, it's going to be a whole different world as usual, uh, as everything that we've experienced for the most part since March of 2020 has borne out. So it's almost like, oh my gosh, it's time for the convention already. It, it seems to have come up out of nowhere. Uh, and I think because it's so unorthodox this year that it will uh, definitely have much, much different feel. Uh, what do you think will come of it? Anything in particular do you expect to see? I actually, and again, I could be wrong. Brenda, I've been known to be wrong. Um, oh, really? <laughs> but I, I think this might hinder that, num- you know, we always see that boost the week after a convention. Right. Uh, in the long run, it never really means anything because they don't usually last. Um, but I'm not sure we're going to see that this year. And we won't be able to put our finger on if it's because it's virtual or because in my opinion, we are more divided amongst our politics in this country than we've ever been before. Um, So I'm not sure the lack of boosts we see from the conventions are going to be because they were virtual or because that independent vote, that undecided America is shrinking, I feel, every four years. Every election, that number is smaller and smaller, it seems. Now, I don't know any science behind that. I'm not a pollster. Uh, Maybe next week we'll get a pollster on to ask them that. But it seems that independent vote, if if, if, if you talk to, you know, just random people, is smaller and smaller. I think so, too. And, and I do feel for the folks who uh, would have been a delegate. It's got to be very disappointing to probably have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and now that's taken away. But we will see some familiar faces, uh, Joe. In fact, uh, tomorrow night, Monday night, uh, Governor Cuomo will speak, as will Bernie Sanders and former First Lady Michelle Obama. Uh, obviously, all of this will be done via, you know, virtually via video. Uh, later, Chuck Schumer of New York and uh, former President Bill Clinton makes an appearance that will be on Tuesday. And I don't know if you heard about this, Joe, but AOC, the lightning rod, 
uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is considered by some to be a progressive young superstar. She'll give a 60-second pre-recorded address uh, on Tuesday as well. So we'll see uh, what happens with uh, with that and if she makes any news in that regard. But I expect more of the same, you know, with yep. Cuomo and, and uh, Schumer and Obama. I was going to so, say, you know, uh, I haven't seen enough of Andrew Cuomo, so I'm glad that uh, we'll be able to see some more. You know, it's interesting they're going with Bill Clinton. And again, this is commentary. This is a, um, a bias opinion. Everyone knows where I stand politically. I am surprised Bill Clinton will be on the stage or will be giving a speech because I feel in 2016, uh, his speech kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Um, I remember watching Rachel Maddow after the Bill Clinton speech in 2016 and her talking about how uncomfortable she felt after the speech he gave. So I'm kind of interested that after what happened in 2016 with Hillary losing, that they would go back to Bill Clinton. I just don't think he's that figure in the party that he was 20 years ago. I don't think so either, Joe. And frankly, I, I'm, I've had enough of Bill Clinton. Uh, I really, uh, I think it's time to show some fresh blood. You know, whether you agree or disagree with some of these people who are, are you know, these high profile Democrats, it's time to move on. There's some younger people in the party now. I like the idea that uh, they have uh, a bunch of people from different areas coming in, you know, geographically. But to go back to the Clintons, I think it's just, it's too much of going back to that old shoe. And there's, there, they're too polarizing. There's too much baggage, baggage connected with uh, both Bill and Hillary. Um, later, they, we have Hillary coming up, though, on Wednesday. She's still going to be there, as will former President Barack Obama. And, of course, Kamala Harris will uh, speak on Wednesday. So there's a lot going on, Joe, uh, with you know the old guard and now with the new guard, with Kamala Harris making such a huge impression on the national scene. Yeah, see, I can see them going with uh, with President Obama. I mean, he is still widely popular. Even with some moderate Republicans, uh, President Barack Obama is a favorite of them. Uh, so I, I get that, even though uh, if you read the New York Post yesterday, he uh, had some words behind closed doors about Joe Biden and his he has some doubts that Joe Biden will be able to get it done in November. Uh, we'll see what comes of that article. Again, uh, you know what happens when an unnamed source gives you a story. <laughs> well, it's just it. How dependable and reliable is it? How truthful is it? And as you pointed out at the top of this hour, Joe, things change by the week. So to predict what might happen in three months, I think, is, is really risky. There's so much... Uh, the only certainty is change, and there's so much of that going on right now. Oh, for sure. Uh, I want to get to calls, Brenda, but I want to play something George Stephanopoulos said this morning. Uh, get your comment on it, and then we will start hitting the calls, 803-0930. Here's what George Stephanopoulos said this, uh, this morning on ABC's This Week. This is such a polarized nation uh, right now that it's hard to see any big swings in the vote. President Trump's approval rating has been pretty, pretty steady at around 40 to 42 for his entire presidency. The Joe Biden's lead over Donald Trump has been in the 79 point range ever since the pandemic started. started. It's hard to see much changing those numbers in a big way. Now, well, I, I think that's really an ill-advised statement on his part, Joe, because things could change in a moment. And uh, to, to make a, a blanket statement like that, I think, is irresponsible. It's, it's like he forgot 2016. Now, I realize we're in a pandemic, um, but I think with the Biden-Harris ticket and Joe Biden's going to have to speak more and they're going to have to answer questions. I don't 
I, I, I think, as funny as, as this is going to sound, I think Donald Trump taking questions, as much as people don't like him, people may not like him, um, I think he gets favorable ratings for answering questions. And I think it's starting to be noticed that Joe Biden does not take questions. And when he does, he has a gaffe. He makes a huge mistake. Uh, so 7 or 9% is not that safe of a lead when you have someone like Joe Biden who is going to have to start talking. Well, and you also, on the other hand, have someone like Donald Trump who is becoming more and more controversial, if that's even possible, with this whole mail-in ballot uh, postal service controversy. Uh, and I noticed uh, the last few days that the president has been holding uh, briefings, usually around 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock. Uh, so I think he's making a concerted effort to get out there and talk more publicly about issues because he can't have those campaign rallies that he normally would have, and this is uh, a substitute for that. So there, there's always that, that kind of trump card, if you'll pardon the pun, Joe, uh, about what could happen, what Biden might say, what Trump might say. Both of these guys are apt to say something that'll get people going. So I don't know that it's just Biden that has to talk more. It might be Trump that might have to talk either more or less, depending on what he's saying. And speaking of the mail, this is exactly where we see uh, people just go along their party lines. And here's where I stand on the mail-in ballot issue. I think we need to be more clear about what we're talking about. The what, what I think the president and Republicans are against are people just getting ballots without requesting. Uh, we saw this in some states during the primaries. Uh, and I could see where that's going to be an issue. I mean, we saw in New Jersey and Virginia where people were arrested for fraudulent ballots. Um, and I think the president's done a better job the last few days illustrating the difference that absentee voting, where you request a ballot and get it, uh, is okay as long as we have the, um, the proper restrictions and the proper policing of that in the mail, in, in the mail office, in the post office. Wow, my, my English this morning. Um, it, but you just see anything the president says, you're going to see the other side go completely against it no matter what and vice versa. Um, and, and I think that's where we're seeing nothing get done in Congress as well. I mean, they went on vacation with millions of Americans suffering as well. I guess we'll uh, talk about this in September. We'll see everyone later. You know, you talk about optics a lot in the world of politics. And I'll tell you what, that was a bad look. People are trying to put food on their table, figure out how they're going to pay their rent, living under the fear of eviction in many cases. And Congress, which makes a, a pretty penny and has a lot of perks, including lifetime health coverage. And for those of us who don't have great coverage, that alone would be such a boon. But to go on vacation uh, just looks awful, Joe. I think that was so ill-advised. Get back to work for the American people and the districts you represent. I don't have any tolerance for the fact that they went away uh, during this pandemic. And I was happy to hear our, uh, two of our local uh, congressmen, Brian Higgins and Tom Reed, say that they wish they would be back in Washington getting things done. So at least it wasn't all the Congress uh, people that agreed on that, but it's a very bad look. All right, 803-0930. Brenda, let's get through these calls. We will start in Clarence and talk to Tony. Tony, good morning. Yeah, first of all, if you believe anything that's in that post, you better you better find out the source. Well, yeah, I, I Tony, I said it more of a, of jokingly. I, I I like I said, I don't believe most unnamed sources. I, I think it's probably just some bad information. Yeah, Barack Obama would never criticize Joe Biden because they were made for each other when they they were in the White House. That's my first point. 
My second point is, do you know why the post office has a huge deficit? I'm sure you're going to tell me. Yeah, because in 2006, the Republicans passed a bill that said they had to fund pensions 75 years in advance. 75 years in advance, they have to fund the pension plans of people who don't even work there now. 75 years in advance, they're saddled with that. That 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 is absolutely ridiculous. And as far as uh, the, the the main trust of uh, I think Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's uh, uh, attack will be on the president's inept handling of the COVID virus from the start. And let me explain. As I told you before, that he knew in November that this virus was possibly coming to the United States. He, he just said, I'm not going to worry about it. It's not coming. It's a hoax. We're going to have a miracle. It'll go past us, etc." We were not, in other words, we were never prepared for the, epide- for the epidemic. And secondly, you're talking about this vaccine. They're funding the vaccine, but they won't fund the, pa- the post office. They won't fund the post office to do its job. I have friends in the post office who told me, they went out and 500 of the sorting machines around the country were confiscated by postal officials. They, they took away the mailboxes in several counties of certain states. Guess what states they were? Democratic states. So they want to limit the vote. That's the big thing. And this guy that got in there as postmaster didn't have to have the approval of Congress, did it? He just was appointed, and he knows nothing about the office. Hey, Tony, Tony, can I just ask you one question? The same question I asked Betty Jean Grant, uh, looking at the Biden-Harris ticket, what is your main concern going into the election? I didn't hear Betty Jean Grant. I was was in church. What did you ask her? I I asked, looking at the the Biden-Harris ticket, which probably really is the Harris-Biden ticket, uh, what is your main concern going into November with that ticket on top of the party that you're going to vote for? Well, you got the president of the United States as the bully pulpit. He gets coverage free of charge. No matter what he does, somebody's going to follow him. So he's getting all this publicity for free. Doesn't have to pay for it. That's my major concern. So you have no you have no concern with the candidates. It, it's I have no concern with either Joe Biden or, okay. or Kamala Harris. In fact, Kamala Harris is the person that made Mr. Barr, the Attorney General, lie under oath when she was being confirmed. He lied to the to the Senate, and he she asked them the key questions. Same thing with Kavanaugh. So don't worry. Miss uh, Miss Harris can take care of herself. All right. Well, Tony, thanks for uh, calling. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. By the way, the Kavanaugh question. Well, that's you know what. We'll get to that at another time. Let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll do that another time for sure, Joe. <laughs> we'll go to Rochester and talk to John. Maybe John will say the comment for me. John, good morning. Hey, Joe. Hey, hey, Brenda. Hey, good morning, John. Welcome back. Congratulations, Joe. John, thank you very much. Uh, listen. Uh, uh, I wanted to talk talk about uh, Tony's comments, but uh, I think I'll pass right now. But your last the last guest uh, caller that you had from Washington, I think it, Mark. Mark Hamrick, yes. He kind of uh, took a shot at the Senate 
in the uh, assume that the Senate was uh, being uh, unjustly holding up legislation without criticizing the House of Representatives, which comes up with these unbelievably bad legislation which the Senate has to stop. So uh, that kind of bothered me a little bit that he uh, took took uh, aim at the Senate like he did without taking aim at the House. But anyways, a uh, question for you guys. Uh, I have heard on the radio, and I can't tell you the source, a couple of conservative stations have talked about the uh, slavery background of uh, Kamala Harris's family in Jamaica, that they were involved with the slave trade. The the other thing is Biden himself uh, has has some racist-type ties uh, with uh, Robert Byrd. He made the comment recently about uh, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. Uh, I'll tell you, I think, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, I think Trump's going to win a significant amount of uh, the African-American vote. Uh, in, in, uh, in the past, I think it's been about 10%. Uh, there's some, well, I've, heard, I've heard as much as 30 to 35, but uh, if he gets, let's say, 15 to 20% of the African-American vote, what do you guys think? I think that could be his way into the White House again. It, it, Joe, Joe, let me jump in on this yeah. if you don't mind. Uh, the last I heard, John, it was a 6% African-American support percentage for, for President Trump. And my question is, would it be wild if President Trump decided to leave Mike Pence off the ticket and bring an African-American candidate on board as the VP with him? That would throw everything into such an incredible upheaval. I really wonder how that would affect things. I think, to your point about Joe Biden, I think that he's a decent man, but I think he says a lot of really stupid things. And I really feel bad for the guy for the hardship he had, losing his wife and uh, child in a horrific car accident years ago. And then his son dying of brain cancer. The man has gone through hell, but he just can't seem to stop saying stupid things and getting, you know, he can't get out of his own way. Yes, there is a lot of talk about Robert Byrd and and, uh, how uh, Biden were allies back in the day. But on the other hand, I'll give him a pass on that because we all evolve, I hope. I'd like to think I've evolved as a human being over the years. And I think that uh, Biden has denounced that and realized how wrong it was. But, uh, you know, Kamala, I think, is a competent person. She uh, has an impressive background. Whether her parents were in the slave trade, I have no idea. Okay. Well, the, the other thing I was going to mention was uh, uh, the the amount of negative publicity that uh, Trump has a real obstacle to face with the, with the media. And I think I mentioned it before, a Harvard study had him one and a half years ago, 92 per, 92% of his uh, press, the press uh, stories about him were negative versus Obama at the same time was 46. And I think that negativity is probably about 98 right now. I just went through the uh, I was going to say, I, I think 92% it would be, uh, would be a relief for the president. Yeah, it, it's definitely more negative. And, and, you know, you watch the CNNs, the MSNBCs, and even the network news, and it's, they're not even hiding it anymore. I mean, they're pretty much doing commentary on what they think of the day's events. And that's fine if they want to do it, but then in the same breath attack, you know, Tucker Carlson. Well, you're doing the exact same thing as Tucker Carlson does. So you, uh, these network news anchors and, and the, the cable news people, they have nowhere to speak on Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, or Laura Ingram because they're literally doing the exact same thing. 
Well, I, I got to say, I'll leave you with this. I really think Donald Trump will get a substantial amount of the African-American vote. When I say substantial, more than he got the last time. I think the last time he got 10 to 11 percent, which, which, isn't, which isn't bad. So I think he's going to get closer to 15 percent, and that could be the difference. I, I agree with you, John. I, I don't. I, you know, there are 80 days left till the election, and I think anything can happen. But I definitely see the president's support uh, among minorities to be higher than it was in 2016. Hey, John, thanks for the call. Well, Joe, here's the other thing. Do you think people are afraid to admit who they're supporting? You know how there's yes. a lot of talk that Pol- people just want, they're not honest when being polled. Politico uh, did a did a uh, did a study. 77 percent of people who are conservative or are voting conservative in 2020 were, were scared not only to tell a pollster, Brenda, but to tell family and friends who they are voting for in 2020. Right, right. And it's, I think that will continue because it's so divisive and the, the candidates are such polarizing figures that I don't think I can believe what these polls are saying. No, uh, and, really and you know what? I have a lot of doubt about that. And that could be any way. That could be, you know, maybe we don't trust the polls, but just because the polls are wrong doesn't mean that it's the opposite in favor of President Trump. Joe Biden might have a bigger lead than we know now. I just I don't put much stock into polls after 2016, but I don't automatically think that means that the president has the support. Absolutely. Yeah, there's just no way to know for sure at this point. Well, we're going to change uh, change gears a little bit, Joe, and hit the lanes in just a few minutes. Donna Perna will join us. Donna is the general manager of Transit Lanes, a well-known bowling establishment on Transit Road in Amherst. And by the way, it contains a restaurant as well named Kegler's. So it's not only a bowling alley, but also a restaurant. So we'll get into the way uh, the pandemic and all of the restrictions have affected that industry and much more to come right here on WBEN. And Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Back to Hardline on this Sunday morning. Brenda Alacy, Joe Beamer with you talking politics every Sunday live on the radio, 10 a.m. until noon. And you can uh, listen to us streaming, too, at radio.com if you have some activity. I know I listen when I'm walking the dog and uh, love having the, the convenience of having the app right on my phone and taking it anywhere. So we welcome your calls as well. Joe, ready for the next segment? Yes, let's talk about it. Bowling alleys will be able to open up tomorrow morning at 50%. And to speak with it is Donna Perna. Do I have it correct? Yes. Yes, you do. All right, Donna, good morning. Uh, Now, you are at Transit Lanes, correct? That is correct. All right, now, it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming, but finally, we can get back to bowling tomorrow. How are you preparing for the reopen? Well, we've been preparing for it since, actually, we shut down on March 16th. So we knew intuitively that we had to change how we did business. Um, so we are totally prepared. We have a risk assessment plan in place. We have a reopen plan in place. Um, all of the shared equipment, like for open bowlers, um, the, the uh, house balls that we provide, open play bowlers, the shoes, all of that will be sterilized after each and every use. In addition to that, we're getting our facility ready so that it is immaculate uh, we will have a sterilization and sanitation process in place for all restrooms, for the restaurants, all of that. Donna, it's so nice of you to join us this morning. We appreciate it. And, and I have to say, uh, did you have any inkling that it would take this long for you to get some kind of word about resuming your business? Well, we didn't, Brenda, and thank you for having me on. And I, and I think like most of people in western New York and, and throughout the country, we didn't really know what we were dealing with, Brenda. So when we shut down on March 16th, you know, we anticipated maybe being out for a couple of weeks, a month, maybe six weeks. We literally had no idea that it would be this long and all of our employees would be displaced and put on unemployment. So, no, that was kind of a... A surprise, I, I want to say, but then as you, you know, as we were all quarantined at home in March and you would watch the news, that's when we said, well, this isn't going away. This is so serious. We are in the middle of a pandemic. And when is it going to end? And what's it going to look like when we we get back to the new normal? Right. There's so much uncertainty. And Donna, how many people do you employ at both Transit Lanes and Kegler's, the restaurant that's inside your facility? We during the height of the season we employ between sixty five and seventy people. So they have all uh, been laid off um, since March. There's a few key staff um, that where we were able to keep on because we received the PPP, but very very few. And you I know when- you know Brenda, we, we're in the middle of a um, a major major remodeling of transit lanes. You know the Parna family is. 100% committed to bowling in Western New York. So that was the other hiccup we experienced is um, we had planned to start construction um, 
April 1. Clearly that did not happen. That was delayed. That's for sure. And so where does that project stand now? What kind of guidance do you get about construction during the pandemic? Well, you didn't, unfortunately. Okay, until it opens back up, there, there wasn't a whole lot of guidance. Um, however, as soon as it opened up, we were able to get the ball rolling. And, uh, you know, we hope to be open for the bowling season. Now, we will not be open on Monday because we are in the middle of a major, major project. But, but there's a silver lining there, Brenda. And the silver lining is we're doing such an enormous renovation on the concourse of Transit Lanes that literally when everybody comes back in September, everything on that concourse is brand new. Well, I guess that's a blessing in disguise, Donna, right? And, but when you talk about bowling, I think about the process. You go in, you rent shoes, you, you, know, you pick a ball or you use your own ball. What do you do in terms of sterilization for the, the bowling balls, um, the areas where bowlers sit, uh, you know, how you keep score, all of those things? How, how do you sanitize that? What, what's your plan of attack here? Our plan of attack is this. So we have um, part of the, the remodel. Um, for the concourse, which, again, is the silver lining, we are going to have a sanitation room. And in that sanitation room will be all of the bowling balls. So you come in, Brenda, and you, you want to come bowling. Um, you're going to get a ball that has been gone through a ball cleaner and sanitized it. So you'll come up to the counter and you'll say, like, a 10-pound ball or a 12-pound ball, and we're going to hand that to you. It will have already been cleaned and sanitized. And then once you're done, Brenda, you're gonna, we're going to take that ball back and we're going to re-sanitize it every single use. In addition to that, the same thing with the bowling shoes. And one of the things we're looking at doing, which I think will be um, great for a lot of open bowlers, is we're looking at possibly now selling bowling shoes at a very reasonable price, very, very reasonable. We want to price it so that our bowlers feel comfortable purchasing that if they know they're going to come bowling three, four times a year um, instead of using the rental shoes because we want to make sure that they're comfortable. Their safety is, is paramount to us. With respect to scoring, that's all automatic, and that's a good thing. So part of our remodel is we're putting in, a, in an entire new automatic scoring system through Brunswick, which is called Think. And it will be all automatic. We will sanitize and wipe down all the tablets. It kind of looks like a mini iPad before, you know, after each and every use. And the same thing with the, with the tables and with the chairs and the concourse. When it comes to the lanes, will there be every other lane open and, and people have to stick to their lanes only? Is that how you foresee this happening? That's how I foresee it, and that's what's really coming down from the the, uh, the state. The guidelines are every other lane, and we intend on following those guidelines. We're fortunate that we're a pretty big house, so we can do that. And, yes, so you come in, and you come in with a group of friends, Brenda, five to six people. We're going to assign you a lane, and that's the lane you stay on. In addition to that, Instead of having to go into the bar and order something, because, again, this is also part of the guidelines, we're going to make sure a server comes to you and says, what would you like? And the food will be delivered to you to keep that, again, that the ability to separate and, and the social distance that's required. 
the mask situation, uh, has there been guidance? So say I go bowl and then I sit down. Am I allowed to take that mask off when I sit down or only if I'm sitting down to have a beverage or food? You know what? We, uh, we haven't received specific guidance on that yet. My anticipation will be that it will be when you order food or beverage, but we're not 100% sure. I wish I could be more specific for you, but that guidance has not come through yet. I know for league bowlers, bowling with a mask will be a bit tedious, um, but we anticipate they're ready and they're prepared to follow the rules. Donna, when it comes to leagues, I know you have a lot of – different teams. I know you work with some schools that use transit lanes as their home bowling center. And you also have a lot of senior citizens who come to the bowling alley, uh, not only to bowl and get some exercise, but for socializing. Uh, Have you heard, is there concern among the older population that they're afraid to come out and bowl during COVID-19? That's a great question, Brenda. And interestingly enough, uh, we have both perspectives. I have some seniors who say, you know what, I'm not really comfortable yet, so we're going to hold off until January. Let's just see where this this goes. I also have a large segment who's saying, no, we want to get out of the house. That is our socialization. It's our form of entertainment. It's our exercise. And we're ready to come back. And I think a lot of it is, is, you know, because we're a family-owned and operated business, a lot of my league bowlers and the league officers, they have my cell number. They call me, and they'll say, what are you going to do? And we're assuring them, look, it, you're going to come in. We're going to do everything we can to make you safe and to make sure that everybody, both our customers and our staff, are safe. So we're assuring them that we're going to do whatever we can. And, and like I said, surprisingly enough, I have a lot of bowlers who are saying, we want to come back. We're ready. Well, from a business standpoint, Donna, this has got to be so tough to, to talk about 50% occupancy. Uh, who would have ever thought you'd have any sort of mandate? So how do you survive in this type of climate, especially on the heels of putting in a big renovation? It's, Brenda, it, it, it's, it's difficult. It really is. And, and so how we intend on doing it is to, to follow the mandate, provide the best experience, for our customers that we can and and hope that they come back and that they feel comfortable and that they come back often because you do have to follow this until we know everything that we're really dealing with. Now, the interesting thing is, and I know, Brenda, you and I have talked about this before, but one of the things that's part of the remodel, which I think is so many people are going to love, is we included in our bowling center um, – a room that holds eight lanes. It's called the Boutique Bowling, and it's right inside the center. So if you had a group of, say, a family reunion, 30 to 40 people, and you weren't comfortable bowling out on the traditional lanes, we are going to have an entirely private and separate room that has eight lanes in it where you can, you can bowl with your family, with your friends, you can get your food and beverage in there, and it is it is literally off the main concourse. So you you can enter it separately, you can exit it separately. It will have its own shoes, its own bowling balls. It will all be separate. Donna, I'm guessing with the uh, now with 50 percent, when you guys reopen in September, uh, you're not going to be able to just walk in 
and Clay Mullane? Is there going to be a more of a reservation type process? And are you going to be operating at normal hours when you reopen or something limited because of the pandemic? We're going to be, uh, uh, exactly. We're going to be um, requesting reservations. And we do that for a couple of reasons. We've strategized this as well. And the reason we're going to do that is we don't want you to walk in and have to wait um, and then be in a line. That's what we want to avoid. So we're going to look to our customers to make reservations so we can assure you that when you walk in with your friend or your family that you have your lane ready. Um, We will be looking at limited hours. And that primarily comes from, as Brenda said earlier, we are host to a lot of senior leagues. We are host to a lot, the Williamsville school system. And as of right now, we understand that there will not be you know, those off-site sports. So we're going to probably have to limit our hours, which is distressing in the fact that that also limits employment. And I worry about our staff. Well, you employ a lot of people, as you pointed out, and some of those folks work at Kegler's, which is the restaurant. So, Donna, what do you plan on doing? It's not just concern about the bowling alley protocol, but also you have to comply with the restaurant mandates. Uh, how is how is that going for you? Well, that's that's you know that's a whole nother that's a whole nother obstacle and a hurdle that we have to to get to. Um, but again, the restaurant, you know, you do the six feet social distancing. You make sure that every other table fifty percent occupancy. Again, we are completely ready for it. You use paper menus. Anything that would come as a garnishment, like ketchup. It's individually packaged. Um, all of those safety measures are put in place. You know, I was curious. We've talked quite a bit about gyms and the frustration gym owners have had uh, without any real guidance. And, you know, the bowling alleys, too, have fallen under this kind of uh, amorphous thing where nobody knows what's going on until finally on Friday you got some word. Have you talked to folks in the fitness industry? Have you thought about maybe, you know, banding together to try to get some a push from Albany to get some kind of direction? Uh, we have not. Um, we were fortunate enough to meet with the Erie County Executive last week at a bowling proprietor's meeting, and he he did a great job. He came in and spoke to all of us and, you know, gave us as much guidance as he could. But again, Brenda, I think this is, um, you know, you have to do everything you can to ensure the safety of your customers and your staff, and some of it is just simply the sanitation process and the social distancing and making sure that everything is done all of the time, each and every use. Um, again, as I said earlier, we're fortunate that we're a fairly big house, so the every other lane is possible in our facility. I worry about my colleagues that have these smaller bowling centers um, that may only have 16 lanes in the house, and if you start going to 50% capacity, that's really tough. Donna, looking at the uh, lasting effects of the pandemic, um, will sanitation, will that still be something that is regular now when we go to transit lanes, even after COVID-19? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's just good practice. And we have always employed that to a degree we're just stepping up our game big time but i think that that's just good practice going forward i think that we're we're entering a different world 
and this is going to be our new normal. And we have to be ready for it, we have to plan for it, and then we have to execute it properly. Well, well, let me certainly... let oh, me ask ahead, just Joe. one more question. As, as a fan of Midnight Bowling, uh, will that be coming back, or will that not be back until after the pandemic? We don't know, and I and I wish I could be more specific for you. We'd like to see it come back as soon as possible. And again, that is something that as long as we leave ourselves enough time between leagues and when Midnight Bowling starts, which we are able to do, we have a staff in place. They can clean all of the tables, all of the chairs, and then almost do the same premise where you come in, we give you a lane, you reserve in advance so you're not waiting in line, and then you come to our sanitation station, get your bowling ball, get your shoes, and off you go to the lane. But again, it would be every other lane. Donna Perna, who is the general manager of Transit Lanes. Uh, Donna, we wish you all the best going forward uh, in this new normal and uh, really appreciate you taking time out on a Sunday morning to join us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. And, I, and I, you know, I love bowling, and we're committed to the, the bowling community in Western New York. And thank you for having us. And, and we appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing everyone really soon. We look forward to, uh, to being there, Donna. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Donna Perna Here. of Transit Lanes. And, you know, Brenda, I am a huge fan of midnight bowling. You know, they got the music going, especially at Transit Lanes, because you can request the songs. So, you know, yes. you, you're, you're bowling, you, you do about 20, 30 frames, uh, and you got the music going. It's, it's always a great atmosphere. So for her, to, I was happy to hear her say that they are going to try to get that in, at least, you know, maybe once every month or something. Just a, a sense of normal, which you and I have talked about a lot on this show. And it's so important to a lot of people, Joe, as, uh, as we were talking with Donna, you know, for a lot of folks, it's their social outlet, and they've had that taken away. And that's why I think you hear so much about the pandemic, uh, including one's mental health, how you feel isolated, you might feel anxious and depressed. Uh, it's be so nice for folks to be able to go out if they choose to go bowling and enjoy themselves. I'm looking forward to seeing what Transit Lanes is doing with this major renovation. And that's the other thing that this uh, makes me think about, Joe, is that the, the business world has been so affected by this. You look at a place like a small business like Transit Lanes. Well, they have a lot of employees. They have a restaurant where they employ additional employees. They're now doing a major renovation project. So they're putting money back into the community with the construction trade. You know, you hate to see all of these people affected, but at least now we're back on the road to some degree of recovery and it's nice to know that they have not thrown in the towel. They're, they're not thrown in that bowling towel. They're moving forward and, and getting uh, the boutique bowling up and running and the, the transit lanes as a whole back up and running again. It's, a, it's an important part of the community for people uh, who bowl, whether it's seniors or millennials. I think, you know, Joe, as a millennial, I think that bowling has become kind of hip and cool again. Have, have you felt that way? Well, I, I've always now, I, I wouldn't say I'm the most hip and cool person, Brenda, uh, but I've always enjoyed that midnight bowling or, you know, Friday night bowling. And when you go, it is younger people. I mean, it, it's a, often people my age that, hey, I'm awful at bowling. But like you said, it's a great social outlet. It's a great way to get friends together and you know, after what we've been through the last five months, it's nice to have an outlet, again, like you said, for those who choose to, uh, to go and where we can feel as safe as can be during this pandemic. Well, and much like golf, which I'm, a, I'm an avid golfer, um, 
it's people of all ages who can participate for the most part. You know, you don't have to be the most physically fit. It's one of those sports where you can drink while you play. So is it really a sport? <laughs> <laughs> it's another thing it has in common with golf. Well, but uh, it definitely is something that people of all ages and all demographics can enjoy. So I'm happy to see that there's finally some guidance from Albany on this. And speaking of being fit, Brenda, tomorrow we get guidance on the gyms. I'm pretty sure next week we'll definitely be, at least for a segment, talking about the reopening of gyms in Western, well, in New York State. Yes, yes. Looking forward to hearing what uh, what's finally going to come down the pike on that one as well. Well, it's been a, a fun and busy show. Thanks to all of our guests, Mark Hamrick, Betty Jean Grant, and Donna Perna. And all the callers will be right back here next Sunday. Like I said, uh, a packed show. I mean, we can already see what's coming down tomorrow. And that's one of seven days that separate, well, six days, that separate us Talking to you again. Brenda, have a great week. You too, Joe. Thanks very much for tuning in, everybody. Stay safe and well. And we'll see you tomorrow morning with Susan and Brian at 5, David Bellavia at 9, Rush at noon, and Tom Byerly at 3 o'clock. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Stay safe. Uh, stay dry. It's going to start raining soon. And we'll be back tomorrow here on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 